You're listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is an episode filled with passion and determination as we dive into the inspiring journey of Phil Beeston. We uncover how a talented basketballer found his way from the court to the open road. From battling it out on the basketball court against much taller opponents to discovering the joys of running, Phil's story is a testament to the resilience and the work ethic that sports instill in all of us. He shares his motivations for taking up running and how it has become an integral part of his life. From physical and mental health benefits to setting a great example for his children, this episode is packed with insights and inspiration. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am really excited to be chatting to Phil Beeston. Hello, Phil. G'day, Michelle. How are you? I'm awesome. This is probably the first episode I think I've done. I've done meetings in cafes, but I think it's the first episode I've recorded in a cafe. So this is going to be fun. Um, I don't think anyone else will really notice except me (laughs) because of the awesome microphone that I'm using. Anyway, Phil, I'm really excited that you decided to join us uh, and you said yes. Um, I've known you for, you know, quite a few years in the running community. So I'm really interested to hear about your backstory and how you started running and all of that. But let's start with um, where you grew up. Give me a bit of background. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm um, not a very interesting character. I'm Launceston born and bred. That's interesting. Launceston's awesome. I love Launceston. I'm glad you agree. I think Launceston's awesome. And um done a bit of travel around the place, but uh, never lived anywhere else. So, um, yeah, born here in Launceston, um, 42 years old now. And, um, yeah, did my schooling here. Uh, I've got a couple of, I'm the eldest of three boys. Okay. A couple of brothers. And um, we sort of grew up um, really sporting sort of family. But yeah. uh, the sport that we were heavily involved with was basketball. Which oh, yeah. um, surprises a lot of people because I'm not very tall. I was going to say you're not the tallest person around. No, not at all. Five foot six, five foot seven. But um, you're about my height. That's about how tall I am. There you go. Yeah, grew up um, playing basketball, and I think um, when you're short, you have to work a lot harder in a sport mm. than basketball. So it probably yeah. helped, helped me to grow resilience and and uh, work ethic, um, uh, just because you're always. Um, uh, fighting against uh, or battling against people that are, tend to be a lot taller than you. Yeah. But yeah, grew up playing basketball um, and um, yeah, a couple of brothers and two boys over the road. So there was five of us um, that battled it out every day after school. Oh, I love that. Um, Who did you play for? Just out of interest, like we've got a bit of basketball in our background. Yeah, Devils, Devils Basketball oh, yeah. Club was yeah. the club that um, I grew up with. 
and uh, had the opportunity to go on a couple of trips, um, playing national championships and things like that. Oh, so fantastic. actually, here's a funny story. When I was in, uh, I was 12 years old and at the national championships on the Gold Coast and um, the local news crew wanted to do a little story about the national championships and they um, picked two players to be interviewed for the local news. Yeah. And I was one of them because in the national championships, I was the shortest player. What? And the other kid was the tallest. So they thought that would be a funny little Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, for the local news. <laughs> I take it you would have been like one of the, the people who ran around and, you know, used the speed. Often ag- agile, that's probably the word I'm looking yeah, for. The to. shorter that's- people tend to be more agile. Absolutely. And um, play smarter and, yeah, you've got to use, use your speed to yeah. get away from the tall people. And read the game. Um, yeah. So married to Beck, we've been married for 20 years. So we got yeah. married pretty young. Uh, she was nearly, oh, she wasn't even 20, actually 19 and I was 21. And we've got uh, four kids. Um, Zach, our eldest, he's uh, 19 and then three girls, uh, yeah. 17, 15 and 12. Yeah. Um, so we had kids while we were pretty young. Yeah. And um, in the, um, yeah, you know, I kept playing basketball um, until child number three came along. And uh, we had three kids under the age of four, and, and life just is really busy. Uh, yeah, as you might I imagine. imagine. And some things had to give. So I stopped playing basketball um, in my late 20s. Oh, and, I was um, playing in my 30s and 40s. I'm just going to well, put I'm that playing out. again now. So <laughs> it took. Four kids, but I got one that enjoys basketball. Oh, wow. And so she started playing in the last few years, which brought me back into the sort of basketball mm-hmm. system or community. In the sphere, yep. And, um, yeah, my brother and some of my mates still play, so I made a comeback as a 41-year-old. What? And That's I haven't done, haven't done a knee or a calf or an Achilles, so... <laughs> That was always what, that's what I was a bit nervous about coming back to basketball as a 40-something-year-old. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, I stopped playing in my late 20s with uh, a young family and I've always been active and fit. Mm. And um, so I just had to find something to do that didn't affect family life because mm. basketball was of an evening, which is yep. dinner time and bath time and bedtime for little yeah. kids. And so I thought, I'm going to get up early in the morning and go for a run. And I lived about a kilometre from Duckreach Power Station, just in Summerhill. And so the first run that I did was I drove my car, even though it was only one kilometre away. Yeah. Drove my car to Duckreach and I thought, I'm going to run to the Gorge Suspension Bridge and back. Yeah. And I didn't didn't make it. So I had... I had the ability to sprint up and down a basketball court yeah. and uh, jump around, but a four-ish kilometre return mm-hmm. jog run, I had to have a bit of a walk. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I, find, I always find it. Yeah. Interesting, our bodies, aren't they? Yeah, so so. That was, yeah, that was about when I was maybe 28 and that was the first time really that I'd gone for a run for the sake of going for just a run. Just going for a run. Um, just before we get into more of that, did you run, like at school, how did you find running? Was that a? Oh, yeah, I, was, I, I just did the athletics carnival and the cross country and I'd always um, not quite make the inter-school yeah. team, but just outside. Yeah. You just enjoyed it because, as you said before, you guys were, you know, sporty, kind of active Yeah, you had a, a really good general fitness 
which was my body was tailored to basketball yeah. because that's the sport yeah. that we'd always played and hadn't really played any other sport other than a bit of school stuff. Yeah. And what about your parents? Were they very sporty type active um, people? Sort of, yeah. Mum mum was very sporty, so she made state softball team and was yeah. good at basketball. And um, Dad would like to think he's good at sport, but yeah. he wasn't really, but he was actually a... Um, a referee of basketball, so he oh, refereed wow. the National Basketball League. Oh, your family was just screaming basketball. Yeah, yeah, through the 90s, he sort of refereed the National Basketball League here in Australia and oh, in, um, junior world championships. So we we grew up just in the basketball mm. stadium and um, ever since I was getting wow. pushed around in pram. My uh, my niece is Taylor Roberts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Play yeah. For the my, and my sister's play daughter. And my, yeah. yeah, my sister's daughter. That's right. So, so yeah, we've been around the bus. And plus, you know, we all played a bit of basketball. Nothing like yeah, Taylor and stuff. As kids, like Dad would referee the Hobart Tassie Devils, Ooh. they were called back in the day. Wow. And, um, so we'd just wander around, uh, you know, the locker rooms and after games and rub shoulders with Andrew Gaze and Shane Heal and Andrew Blahov and all the great Aussie players in the night. So as basketball kids, we sort of lived the dream. Yeah. It does yeah, it doesn't sound like uh yeah, just a shame you weren't taller. Not, not that's that right. I, couldn't, I just didn't have a chance to make it myself. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like you did pretty well and you're still doing the same. As long as you're enjoying it, that's the important yeah. element. Uh, what did you do before we get into more of your running? What did you do when you left school? Like what well, kind I, of did, what, I didn't know what I work wise or mm. become. So mm-hmm. um I left school and picked up a part-time job that I had and that became full-time and that was actually with my uncle mm-hmm. uh, at a antique clock and watch store so I on my resume I can uh, write that I'm a horologist is was there only one of those in Manchester um only one that knew how to do it <laughs> yeah and so yeah the act of or the skill of horology is um wow. and watches that's crazy and so as a young you know 16 15 17 18 yeah. year old i was learning a real uh antiquated craft i was, I was gonna say something even in that time you yeah, know how to, how to pull apart antique clocks and watches and, and repair them with um, fascinating but... additional um tools yeah that's crazy and then um I um I think after that I just chased a bit of money, so I just yeah. got into call center work, yeah. um, customer service and sales, and, yeah. and that led to another call center job, and then yeah. uh, got tapped on the shoulder by someone who knew me and and thought well of my character, I guess, and some of the yeah. skills that I could bring, and and that brought me into sort of project management and customer service okay. in design and construction world. Yep. Um, and that then uh, led to where I am today at S Group. Yeah. I'm general manager of a um, business with around 23 staff. Wow. Um, and we do architecture and brand and marketing. Yeah. So I've been around sort of design and construction for um, sort of 15 years now. Quite a, quite a trajectory, really. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really people, cool. People sort of wonder how I got into managing an architecture firm. But really, um, my pathway was sort of custom service, sales, and then management um, yeah. and general. And that could be applied in any industry. So people skills, I would it sounds like, are yeah. pretty big in all of those. For sure. Yeah. And when you, if you can excel in that, you can excel in a lot of things from sales right through to 
people management, HR, and, and yeah, um, communication, project management um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well done. Fantastic. All right. Now I know a bit about that. Um, I kind of knew a little bit of it, but not all of it. And it was interesting to know, you know, how, how you got where you are. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, you've got other hobbies like um, movies and like drone <laughs> drone videos and things like that. I've seen some of that work that you've done in relation to running anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So you started, you decided basketball was fitting in with the family dynamic initially when the kids were little. So you decided to start running and you found that first a little bit harder than you thought it would. How did that go after that, after you run down to Duck Reach? Yeah, well, I guess because um, of my competitive nature, um, I felt a little bit defeated in that first run. And so I had to come back the next morning and do it again. Yeah. And and that's just uh, a bit of my nature, I guess. Um, yeah. And and it was an, a necessary thing I had to do for my fitness and well-being. Um, I couldn't fit sort of team sports in to our yeah. young family's life. And so it was get up early in the morning and before everyone's awake and and and, and do that um yeah once was that, time was that because you you in your who you are your identity you think of yourself as an active person or I don't want to put words in your mouth but so just because you couldn't do like a lot of people stop sport especially mm. once if they were doing team type of sports and then they grow up <laughs> they get a grown-up life and they just stop because that was what they did before they had a family they don't replace it with some other activity so do you think it was because your identity you know how you see yourself is a little bit more like an active person rather than yeah like before kids and after kids yeah I think that's definitely part of it like that's all I've I've always been active and, mm. um in fit and strong generally generally yeah. speaking. so I think um I that's yeah part of my identity and and, and mm. part of who I always want to be fit and active mm. but um, I think the other side of it is um, just I understand. I've seen people, I guess, in my lifetime who over time become less fit and active and can mm. just see how that impacts their quality of life. Yeah. And I always have um, wanted to remain fit and strong so that I can live a good life uh, in many regards, whether it's my energy levels or what I can do with or for the kids mm-hmm. um, and keep up with them. And, and, and that's a real joy um, now in my life that I can participate in activities and sport and outdoor stuff with my kids. Yeah. Um, maybe one day I can do that with my grandkids. Maybe or definitely. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure you actually will. Um, all right. So how did, like, you, I know that you've gone on and done a bunch of other runs that aren't just 5Ks to duck reach. How did that happen? When did you go, well, now that I'm running, I don't know, I can run 5Ks to duck reach without having to stop. <laughs> when did you decide yeah. to start entering events and become, I know you said you were a bit competitive. So is that yeah, why I, think that? I, I can't remember exactly, but I probably, I think it was that same year that I first went for my first run at duck reach and, and, you know, I started doing it consistently and I love competition. I love mm-hmm. people and events, mm-hmm. um, you know, through that basketball background, you're always a part of a community. Yeah. And um, I thought I should go in an event. And the very mm-hmm. first event I went in, which probably is the same for a lot of Tasmanians, was the Bernie 10. Yes. 
just the 10k road race yeah. up the coast there. And um, the next year, I think I did the Launceston 10. I think it was the inaugural yeah. year of yeah. the Launceston 10. Mm -hmm. um, started outside the silos, I think, the first one. And, um, yeah. yeah, so the first few events that I did were just sort of Bernie 10, Lonnie 10 sort of yeah. stuff. And my brother, Scott, he's a, he's a local physio, and at the time he was working at the general hospital. And um, I'd been running for maybe a year and he said, oh, I should introduce you to a friend of mine that I work with who does a lot of running. His name is John Cannell. Ah. And a lot of people listening might recognise that name or know that person. And Absolutely. I thought, oh, yeah, that's, sure, let's, um, I'd be interested to meet this guy. <laughs> so my brother introduced me. Um, we had a, uh, I think we met at his house or John, maybe it might have been John's house actually. And, and I met John for the first time. And wow. he, he said, I oh, should come for a run with me one day up at Trevallon Reserve. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a few runs in Duck Reach. And, and that sort of started a friendship with John. Yeah. And um, over the course of, you know, running, starting to go on a few runs with him, I started to hear about a few other things that you could do in, in the, in the world of running and it, what didn't just relate to running along a road. Wow. So that's a pretty big um, introduction, really, like in that um, I don't know what John was up to then, but I assume he was doing some, you know, adventurous things. He sure and was. Yeah, that's he'd where already, you... <laughs> yeah, he'd already ventured into the world of Cradle Mountain Run, you know, yeah. the ultra marathon world, and uh, he'd, or, he'd also run uh, the Triple Top. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of uh, opened my eyes to some of the opportunities out there in the running world. And so where did you take that that uh, that open door to what we call trail running and ultra trail running? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd always, as a kid, really been drawn to the outdoors and the bush and, and exploring. Mm -hmm. And then as uh, a teen and getting my... P's, my, my license. Mm -hmm. um, some of my, me and a few mates, we used to hop in our cars on a weekend and and head into the Western Tiers or go bushwalking and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd always been drawn to the outdoors and the yeah. wilderness, and and we've got it better than anywhere in the world, I think. Here in Texas. I agree. And um, so when I obviously had started running for a year or so and, and started to build a bit of you know, my body started to become uh, mm -hmm. more adapted to running uh, for more than a few kilometres. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as soon as I heard about this, that you could actually connect the two, the two things together, the wilderness what? and running, I thought, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> this is right up my alley. Yeah. And um, so I thought I'd enter the triple top mountain run. Yes. Um, leading up into it, um, I thought I'd prepared myself quite well. Mm -hmm. done a few two-hour runs, you know, in the order of around 20 kilometres around Trevallon Reserve. Yeah. And um, I sort of studied the course a little bit, mm -hmm. what you could back then, because I, I didn't have Strava and... Yeah, um, it's a course. I really probably couldn't study it in detail. Yeah. And um, I remember thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go all right at this and turned up for my first triple top mountain run in a pair of uh, road running sneakers. Yeah. Straight up. And I didn't didn't really know that you you needed trail specific trail boots. Not that you <laughs> need them, but it certainly helps on a course like that. And um, for those who know the triple top run, it's it's a bit of a different beast. Yep. Uh, the first mile is up a fairly steep <laughs> road. Yep. And then then you hit the single track, and the first bog 
I put my foot into, it sucked my shoe clean off. No. That, that was my um, introduction to trail running races. Oh, I assume you found your shoe. <laughs> I did. And um, by the end of that run, um, I had swollen ankles, rolled ankles, oh. you know, oh. a bit of blood and um, had a little cry to myself and said, I'm never going to do this ever again. Uh, but now you're on this podcast some, um, I don't know, 20 years later, whatever it was, 15 years later. 15, Obviously you did. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously I did. Um, and I think that's, you know, after a little bit of a cry, um, you know, you pull yourself back together and, and pretty quickly I thought, no, that beat me. I've got to come straight back next year and, and do it again. And if, how many times have you done that one? I think I've hit 10. Oh, um, wow. In triple tops, yeah. I've only done it like four. <laughs> it's amazing. We're, we're a sucker if we come back a second time. Yeah, us. I think that's true. Yeah. yeah, It's a great run. I love that run. Done it oh, in the rain and the fantastic. sun. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've done it in all weather conditions and track conditions and there's nothing quite like it. Um, it just throws everything at you and it's. I just love that it's still so, it just feels so authentic and raw yeah. as yeah. a as a trail run, a run through the bush and the mountains and the wilderness. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, there's other trail runs these days and they're all great. And yeah. um, every type of, you know, trail running event I think is fantastic and it's yeah. there for everyone. But some of them are probably a little bit more like a park run under your foot. Yeah. Um, whereas Triple Top just is a good old-fashioned. Um, bit raw. I, <laughs> I think I remember um, somebody saying to me the last time I did it when we got to the bit where you kind of have to climb down. And yeah. they said, this is a running event. Why am I climbing? Yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, I don't think the name's quite appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Just, this is just what we do. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. What would be your favourite run that you've done? Yeah, that's. I thought you might ask that question. Um, so there's, there's, I think there's different runs that, you mm -hmm. know, mean something to you in different ways. Triple yeah. Top's right up there. It's the first trail running race I entered yeah. so that would be certainly one of my favorites yeah and like I said it just throws everything at you and it's a yes. it's a beautiful course um mm. and um yeah I love I love that run I've done the Cradle Mountain run um mm -hmm. eight times now and yeah. um the Overland track is iconic mm. it's just beautiful Sticky. and um people travel from all over the world to to walk the track yeah and the privilege and joy uh it is it's just so special to be able to wake up in the morning with a bunch of like-minded people um and just to spend the day going down that track and at the end of the day have a party and a beer and and share stories so certainly cradle mountain run the overland track is right up there yeah probably my other favorite um is a, an event i only did it once it was called oscar's hut to hut um and that's based at Mount Buller in Victoria, oh, wow. yeah. uh, 100k, and wow. uh, probably had a bit of a Cradle Mountain Run vibe to me. It was pretty much mm -hmm. from a smallish in volume, small number yeah. of participants. I think there was uh, only about 30 that did the full 100k, and, um, yeah, just fantastic scenery, real man from Snowy River sort of um, yeah. scenery, if you can picture yeah. it. And it, um, it connects a whole bunch of historic Australian, you know, high country huts. Yeah. So you're running past these iconic sort of locations, including where they shot some of that film. Oh, wow. 
Um, and it's a lovely big circuit. So it's a, it's a really cool feeling in, in my experience to start at a point. Yeah. Um, Finish. At pre-dawn with yeah. your head torch, um, do a full circuit, comes to nighttime, and then you, finish, you, you can see the town lights as you coming back towards Mount Buller Village and finish back where you started. It's a really yeah. satisfying feeling to know you've made it all the way around and, and you're back where you started. That's amazing. Oh, I'd love to do one of those. I um, watched the from afar the UTMB stuff this last weekend before last. Fine. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, that just looks amazing. I don't it know does. if I'm going to do it, but it looks amazing. And it had the same sort of stuff that you're talking about, I think, you know, that feeling of night and day and yeah. you know there's towns there's wilderness there's you know snow mountains all the all the things just amazing um not to mention putting your body through that and not stopping and yeah one day maybe do you have aspirations for any of those kind of things that kind of crazy distances not that 100 kilometers isn't crazy <laughs> yeah i don't know i probably um probably half a dozen years ago maybe i had mm-hmm some ideas and aspirations, never to be competitive, but just yeah. as an experience. Yeah. Um, probably in the last few years, life has become busier with mm-hmm. the stage of life with teenage children, with four of them. Yeah. And so probably lost a bit of that vision and, and yeah. focus um, because, you know, my energy and focus has been elsewhere with my family. Yeah. Um, but I could probably see that maybe in years to come as the kids grow up and move on and, and a different season of life, um, maybe have some ideas to my wife and I to travel and yeah. try to line it up with some great experiences that relate to Crazy adventures. mountains. Yeah. That's exactly. I know um, on the podcast I've interviewed heaps of people who are, you know, I'm in my 50s, they're in their 60s and 70s and they're out there doing yeah. one and 200 milers. And yeah. in part that is, as you said, they're in another season of their life as well. So we, you know, the priorities are, are different and the, the callings on their time day-to-day yeah. are different so they can fit those things in. Yeah, another, well, another shout-out uh, is a gentleman by the name Martin Price. Oh, and, yeah. Um, early oh, yeah. early days after I'd met John Cannell and, and did a couple of runs with him in Trevallon Reserve, real early days, yeah. um, Martin Price came along for a run or two. Awesome. And, um, so I got to know him. And, um, yeah, he was in his 60s at the time, still running milers yeah. in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, every for the past uh, handful of years during the Cradle Mountain Run, um, he will walk into Pelion Hut. Wow. And um, as you arrive at Pelion Hut checkpoint, which is about, you know, 35 kilometres into the run, he'll yeah. be there. Big smiley face, high five, and little chat, and it's um, oh, yeah. it's the people you meet and the yeah. community that you become part of. It's a real um, uh, joy in in this in this sport. It's funny on the podcast in the beginning, a lot of people would bring up the reason they started running was I don't know, lose weight, get fitter, whatever, stay fit. But the reason they keep running is because of the people that they've met. Mm-hmm. That's why they keep going back to it because they you know, develop different friendships and things like that with other runners from all areas of life as well, which I think is another thing that's fascinating. For sure. What does your running look like now? So do you, how often are you training and things like that without super detail, but what does it look like in your world at the moment? Uh, it's flatline. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Tell me more. That's interesting. <laughs> um. Generally, for a number of years, it was um, very consistent. Yeah. 
and it might even flow a bit depending on an event or something yep. training typically or mm -hmm. training for or some goals so you know probably just hitting the couple of thousand kilometers a year uh so mm -hmm. 40, 40 k's a week 40 to 50 a week mm -hmm. um but this year i did cradle mountain run at the start of the year yeah um pretty much flatlined after that it's been a yeah. um just a year in the life of our family where we sold a house and moved house and then my wife had uh, surgery and okay. uh, she's been recovering from that and uh, but then we hit for our kid our family uh three kids sort of in that teenage yeah okay and win winter sports get started yeah and it's just full on yeah so. Um, I've had five children, Phil. So five. I've got five. Yeah. But all of mine five. are, you it's know, five, grown up. <laughs> yeah. But I do recall that season. Yes, it's crazy. Oh, crazy. Even even last night, Michelle, one of them, we live out Riverside, mm -hmm. uh, just north of Launceston, so it's about a 10-minute drive into town. But I finished work, my wife and I drove home. Then we have to come back to pick one of them up from work at 6. Yeah back home and then yeah. back to town to pick another one up from work at 7 15 oh back home yeah and that's just a little snippet of what most look like yeah you're like gosh when are you going to get your license how how soon can you be well one of them license in a couple of months so that'll, oh, be, that'll be a real help that was really exciting the only thing with that we still got two at home but they're 19 and 21 the car the cars in at the in the driveway that's the only yeah. problem with having children with cars yeah. Yeah. otherwise and yeah you, you question about what is your mm. like so it's probably it changes from season yep. to season so mm -hmm. um in the early days like i said i got up early in the morning before um the family were awake mm -hmm. and when run, all my running was early morning and, and yep. that's probably what i did for a long time yeah and in the last few years um it's shifted more to evening and that just yep. fit in with um, the lifestyle of our family so mm -hmm. You know, if the kids had some sports training, I'd take them. Yeah. And then while they're training, I'd go for a run. Yeah. And um, that could be at Cape Reed Reserve because yeah. one of them is training for netball at Silverdome or it might yeah. be playing, um, uh, where Launceston Park Run is around that mm -hmm. court because one of them is training for soccer at Churchill. Yeah. Um, so the last few years, my running has been more of an evening, fitting mm -hmm. in with uh, kids' sports. Yeah. Um, and then... This winter, obviously, it's been non-existent. But um, you need to hold me accountable because winter sport's about to finish. So yes, um, I'll have no excuse in a few weeks. So, so do you reckon in a few weeks will you say start running three times a week, five times a week? What how yeah. does what do you imagine you'll be doing? Um, yeah, well, typically it was three three weekdays and a weekend run. So okay, it would be maybe in forty minutes to an hour. Yeah, uh, on a weekday. Yeah. That was always a mix of just a, an easy run, a tempo run, uh, yep. interval, you know, something like that. Yep. And then, like most people, keep a, a two-hour longer run for the weekend. Yeah. Um, to, often that could be yeah, in the reserve, um, Trevallon Reserve. Yes. Or, um, that's probably what it is most most time. Uh, and years. Do you, it sounds like you don't regularly run with other people unless you're say all training for a an event or something you know a group of you are is that how that works or do you mostly run by yourself really yeah often by myself mm -hmm. um, there used to be a group called the stupid o'clock they did group. yes so i'm part of that yeah so <laughs> i was always a regular to that yeah. um 
you know, going back a handful of years. So, yeah, yeah I was a regular to that. That was a two-hour-ish um, road. Normally along a road mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, during the week it's normally on, on my own. Yeah. Um, half the time with a podcast or some music yeah. and half the time just um, in the Trevallon Reserve listening to the, um, you know, the world around me. The birds. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you ever do something like parkrun where it's not really a thing? I actually haven't, yeah. Um, not that I don't like yeah. parkrun or it's just something that I never regularly have done. Um, I could probably count on my two hands how many parkruns I've done in my life. Yeah. Um, maybe it's to do with kids' sports on Saturday yeah. morning um, mm-hmm. or to do with the fact that um, we're you know busy family, so Saturday mornings we're just staying together. Yeah. Yeah, never really done a lot of park runs. Oh, it's a shame you didn't get your kids into Launceston Running Club because that's how I kept going. Because <laughs> I drag my well, kids along the running. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> they're too busy to add anything else in. That was so great. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we we did do a few times the soccer and running on the same day. That was always a bit tight, depending on when that was scheduled. The yes, soccer. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Anyway, um. Can you think of a time, a run that you've done where everything flowed? doesn't have to be a race, could be a race, doesn't really matter, but where a period, you probably had lots of them, but can you reflect on one of them where it just felt like everything was perfect, you know, for those moments in that that run? Yeah, prob- there's probably a couple that stand out, and one of them was actually a Lonnie 10. Oh. Um, I remember one year um, having a goal around Lonnie 10 yeah. um, just to – test myself on more of a tempo speed, speed sort of sort of thing and so I did have a bit of a curated program for 10 mm-hmm. weeks to to target that yeah and um then set myself a you know a, a goal and was quite disciplined with my run yeah and was locked in and um it went swimmingly beautiful when you I sort of went with one of those ones where I look back on the splits and it was all yeah um, I think yeah. the first six kilometres, actually the first one's always a little bit quick. Yeah. Caught up with a bit of the crowd and, and the speed. Yeah, yeah. Kilometer, then the next five were all 343s. Like oh, my gosh. On the dot. That's awesome. Um, and you sort of look back at that and think, yeah, that was that was locked in. That couldn't have oh, gone. I love it. Oh, my, I think my favourite was my fastest marathon. I just remember a period where I felt like I was floating, you know, when it was. Oh, I, hate, I haven't awesome. loved the marathon. <laughs> I've hate. I've, awesome. I have to. I do have to do it. Be happy with a marathon one day. So I'll come back to that. I've I've done maybe four or five. Yeah. And, um, just like most people, you're in the pain, the hurt locker for the last third, and you've gone out too hard for the first seventy-five percent, <laughs> and you fade away badly in the last ten k. Look, I can remember because we were there with the group in Melbourne. And I was running past one of them, Brian Rogers. I'm not sure if you know him. But he's very chatty. And he, he had said to me, oh, Michelle, there's someone else who's coming out for dinner tonight, like in the middle of this race, <laughs> like in the last 10K. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Anyway, just sort of floated on past him. It just felt quite surreal that he was trying to organise dinner while we were running and everything felt really smooth. Anyway, that but race went. Probably the other one was um, there's a, a run that Endorphin, Put on at Fresno Peninsula. 
Oh, beautiful down uh, there. The 29 kilometre circuit. So yeah. that's a, just a cracker of a run, cracker of a course. And just, yeah. it's just so beautiful, um, 29 kilometres. And yeah, there was one year there where just was so happy with that run, maybe low three hours, three hours 10. Oh, beautiful. Um, trail running, yeah, trail running is an interesting one because mm. if you're feeling really good and you're in your flow, um, you're not looking at your watch because you can't mm. really be guided by kilometre splits or anything mm-hmm. like that because one kilometre you're on sand and the next one you're going up a mountain and the next yeah. one you're going down a mountain. So yeah. your, your pace isn't... Goes out the window. Yeah, it goes out the window yeah. and you have to be you have to run more on effort. Yeah. And, and some people might measure that with your heart rate and um, and some data around mm-hmm. that, but I, I've never sort of geeked out that much. Um, but, yeah, that was probably another one that felt really good. What do you reckon motivates you to run and to keep running and maybe even to stay fit? Maybe we touched on that at the beginning, but what motivates you to keep going? Yeah, I don't think it's any one thing. So the, obviously there's the motivation to stay fit and healthy and strong. And mm. um, sometimes you, know, you might, I might enter an event or two and that will provide a bit of a short-term motivation mm-hmm. to, to run and get out there and wake up yeah. early in the morning. Yeah, like um, a goal. Yeah, I think for me a, a big thing has always been that, um, or you talked about identity earlier. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. you know, that's part of who I am. So I'm there's a motivation yeah. there to stay fit and healthy and strong. Yeah. And the other side of it for me is, is just that um, love for the outdoors. So mm. that's a real motivator when you've, um, especially if you're in a stressful maybe work environment, which all, you know, a yeah. lot of us are, um, life can throw different things at you mm-hmm. in your, your personal life. And um, that's a real motivation for me, yeah, to get out the door, mm. uh, especially into somewhere like Trevallon Reserve um, yeah. where there's you're in a, a nice environment, peaceful environment, yeah. and um, it just is a great way to reset mm. and uh, recalibrate and refresh your, your, your mind and, and your body. And, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's always been a, a motivator for me and, and probably, probably more so even when the kids were little. Okay. And, um, you know, it's, the house is really busy. Yes. And really demanding. And if I can get out in the early morning and just go have my own headspace and, and go for that run, that was a great way to start the day. Yeah, it just sort of sets you up, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm preaching to myself now and, and motivating myself. There's tea. <laughs> this, it works. Come on my podcast. Listen to my podcast as well about running. Um, can you think of a time where your running has helped when things have been tough in your life, personally, professionally, whatever? where running has actually been a bit of a, an outlet or whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but where running's really helped get oh, over I think, I think always, times. yeah, I think often, like, I don't, there's not a specific moment or a specific mm-hmm. story I want to tell, but yeah, um, I've always, since I've started running, it's always been a huge, uh, had a huge impact on um, how I feel physically, mentally, spiritually mm-hmm. um i have um faith in jesus as a christian mm-hmm. um, so i have a, a faith there and i've always found running especially in the outdoors has helped me yeah. spiritually connect yeah yeah um, that makes sense. what i believe yeah and um but certainly um it's been a place where i can clear my head when i go running yeah hence half the time i might have headphones in and that's often more related to 
maybe a workout type of run. Okay. But the 50% of the time where I don't have my headphones in, it's a, it's a more relaxing run, so okay. to speak. And yeah. um, have, not having headphones, I'm having noise coming in. Yeah. Me just to clear my head. Okay. And often find, often find myself um, uh, creativity really starts to flow yeah. when, I'm, when I'm running and I don't have, don't have headphones in. Yeah. Ideas start to pop into my mind and, yeah. and that could relate to my workplace or personal life or whatever that may be. Yeah. Well, I've, I've spoken a couple of times on the podcast about those times because I'm an entrepreneur and to me, I get some of my best ideas and thoughts and what I'm going to do marketing wise or whatever next um, while I'm running. But if it's a quite a long run and I've got quite tired and then I get home and I think this idea is brilliant and I go to write it down or in, implement it in some way, then I go, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> um, so I think there's something, there's, there's a balance that gets out there where the oxygen level in our brain is <laughs> Has reduced so much that we think something is really a good idea, and that was it's a not terrible so much. idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there is a point where it's really good, and yeah. then you know you start getting tired or whatever. You know, you can't even step off a footpath <laughs> when you're <laughs> exhausted. Um, anyway, I just find that funny, but it is science has proven that the neurons and things go off yeah, when we it. do these kind of exercises. Activate your um, body. Are, are really beneficial for our minds and coming up with ideas and creativity. So. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not a science scientist or psychologist Nerd. or any Nerd. of those sort of things, but I, I think we are one being. Yeah, totally. Mental, spiritual, and we're all—it's all connected in there. Um, yeah. So when you know, for me, certainly that's my experience. If when I'm when I'm running, um, it has that and an impact on all those elements and all those parts of me. Yeah. Um, to help me thrive and. Um, yeah, a better human and, and uh, yeah. yeah, I love that. Do you have times in your family where it's like um, Phil or Dan get out, go for a run? <laughs> oh yeah, my wife. You need has to told go out many a time. Yeah, <laughs> cool. So yeah, now Beck, Beck's, a, Beck's a great um, check on that one. Excellent, I love that. How long do you think you'll run for? As long as I can. Yeah, because yeah. um, you know I, I talked about Martin Price. Yeah. Earlier, and um, you know, someone like Richard Pickup, he's yeah. the founder of the Cradle Mountain Run, and, yeah. and we just met as a committee a few weeks ago, and yeah. and he still has ideas in his head that he uh, can one day run the run the whole thing again, but he can't. Yeah. <laughs> but he still runs, and he's in his seventies, and, and that's amazing. Um, people like that are just inspirational. I love and, it. Um, Help me to see that. Um, you know, if you stick at it and make it part of your lifestyle, um, mm. something you can do for decades and decades. Mm. Um, and in doing so, you, um, you know, create new friends and grow friendships and, mm. um, and there's generational connections that you can make. Um, yeah. My daughter, um, she's already entered some run, some events with me and we've run together. And So good. Um, and maybe one day I'll have grandchildren that, I yeah. can actually still go out and go for a yeah. run. Yeah. Is is that um a part of your DNA, the legacy side? You know, the, what we the examples I talk sometimes with parents, obviously, on the mm. podcast, and we talk a little bit about that example that we're providing for our children, and you know what our parents provided us as well. Is that anything that ever goes it comes into your mind when you're 
out there running or whatever. <laughs> do you do you think about that? Is that a thing for you? Um, I don't I don't know if it's probably literally something I think about mm. front of mind, so to speak, but certainly <laughs> um, as parents you want to set a great example for your kids mm. um, and give them lead by example. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and it's been a real joy to have um, some of my kids uh, come along for yeah. Yeah. events and participate and yeah. or as a whole family. You know, it's been, yeah. there has been a couple of park runs yeah. that we've done as a whole family, that sort of yeah. thing, because um, it's something you can do together. Yeah. And, yeah, like you said, setting the right examples for your children. Yeah. Like when we talk about um, the kids having this running it's on a running podcast, so let's talk about running. Running as a tool um, in the in the kids' toolbox, if you like, even if they don't run as kids so much, if they see their parents run, it's part of their DNA, and in, you know whether they ever conceptualise that at all, it is something that they can access in the future. Because even if they have an experience, they think that their parents have done it, therefore it's something I could do should I want to in the future and need to get fit or need to do whatever. It's just one of those. Yeah, like you said, it's being able to provide them with with an example um, that they can access later. There's so many kids you see where their parents don't do any kind of physical activity, mm. and they it, therefore, even if they can't, they don't intellectually say that. When as they get older, you know, they think adults don't do exercise yeah, <laughs> on purpose well, unless they're running to catch the bus. How can someone have a vision for their life or what they could do? Mm. If there's nothing there to, to yeah, to, to um, yeah, um, to it. so I think it's really important yeah. actually. And and part of I think part of more so than running, um, I'd love to see. I love to see some of my kids. They're now starting to want to get into the outdoors. Yeah, go yeah. for a, I go, love that. ask about hiking. Go for mm. a hike. You know, mm. um, mm-hmm. my eldest son, you know, did outdoor ed and then outdoor leadership yeah. college, and yeah. now my next child along my daughter is yeah. doing outdoor education and wants to do outdoor leadership and oh i love it and 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 what for me what that is is um there's so much to be gained in life mm. um beyond the four walls heading into the outdoors <laughs> and um and Taz, like i said tazzy is just magical yeah it's a playground and, um, if i can just ignite a bit of a spark in my kids mm. to to find that for themselves and yeah. um a bit of a vision, like we just talked about, it'll become part of their lifestyle, part yeah. of their life, um, yeah. and I think they'll be better for it. And their identity. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's, yeah, right up my alley. Um, is there, can, can you reflect for a minute about what your life might be like had you not started to run? Oh, that's an interesting question. What's it given I've me? never thought of that. That you wouldn't have. Oh, what's it given me? Yeah, what's it me? Some great friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing I would come to, like people. Yeah. And um, some some of my closest friends um, are so people good. I've either met through through the running community or yeah. um, some of my friends that I already had. We've become runners together yeah. <laughs> um, Love and it. done some of these events together and then yeah. travelled to places together with our wives yeah. To go for a run, on adventures. Uh, so <laughs> certainly, certainly, friendships is is something. It's yeah, it's, and then part of that uh, is the sense of responsibility to to give yeah. back and yeah. um, um, help support 
the, mm-hmm. the, like a sport, let's call it a sport. Yeah. So yeah. being involved in some committees yeah. for, for events and, yeah. and it's a real joy to help make sure those events thrive and, yeah. and currently and into the future. And, and then you make friends on those committees as well. Yeah. So certainly friendships is, is probably a big one. Mm-hmm. And um, then the second one is just memories and experiences. Yeah. You know, if I had never run, then I never, I hadn't, wouldn't have run down the overland track because I yeah, never would have yeah. thought it could be possible. Exactly. Or I, um, yeah, yeah, wouldn't have run around the Freysenay Peninsula yeah. or never would have run up in uh, the Victorian high country. Yeah. In fact, the first, the first one I ever did was not even an event. Um, you know, I'd been running for maybe a year or two and, and then, like I said, John Connell helped me see the vision that you could yeah. connect running with running the outdoors with outdoors, and yeah. the wilderness. Yeah. And um, so the, I ran up the Arm River track and went up Mount Ossa. Oh, wow. Which I know many people have done. There's nothing unique about that, but it's amazing. Uh, that was a, an amazing experience for me yeah. at the time. Something I didn't fathom that you'd be able to do um, yeah. outside of spending three to five days with a big backpack on and, and hiking. And so, certainly, memories and experiences is something that's given me. I love it. Oh, this sends shivers up and down my spine. I, I <laughs> the one I've done a couple of ultras, but the one that I have done that is most memorable to me isn't wasn't a race or, or an organised one, but one that it was a challenge set up by a group that I was in that was an international group, and we're all doing our own sixty k run in different parts of the world. There's only mm. like eight of us or something. And it, like to me, that was just because there was no. I mean, my kids and my husband came out and supported me to run this little thing all by myself. It was so good, you know. Yeah, like it wasn't accomplishments, yeah. and connections you make with people, yeah, that you may not have otherwise crossed paths. Exactly. Yeah, mm. I loved it. Anyway, we've kept you for ages, and you have been amazing. Um, before we go, is there anything I'm going to ask you some, for some tips in a minute? But before I do that. Um, is there anything about running that we haven't touched on that you wanted to share? Oh, I didn't really come with any um, meditated thoughts yeah. or ideas. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the only thing I would um, encourage people to do is, is, and the running community are such generous people, is to mm-hmm. continue to give back, mm-hmm. uh, whether that is volunteering at Park Run on a Saturday morning or leading a community running group during the yeah. week um, mm-hmm. or getting on board on a committee yeah. uh, to help events um, yeah. happen uh, because yeah. without, without each one of us giving back, some of these things don't happen. There's not, there's not, there's not a lot of money in it. You know, mm-hmm. People don't put on an event to, to create enough money to buy a house. No. <laughs> Especially in the trail running world. Um, no. In Tasmania, it's not the UTMB. Um, <laughs> You know, people put on an event because they're passionate about running. Um, yeah. They love the community. They love the place. Yeah. And we want others to experience what we experience and what it's given us. And so, yeah, just encourage people to get involved. Needs volunteers, doesn't it, to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible. Someone said to me the other day, trail running's become cool. <laughs> Oh, just recently, cool. I don't know if it's just my head, but <laughs> I think it's super cool. I, I even see people I mean, we hang out with. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because when when I first came into let's call it trail running, sort of as a sport or as trail yeah. running world, 
I didn't have Strava. I didn't have trail running mm. shoes. I didn't know there there was stuff out there, but I didn't know about it. Yeah. I didn't know there was events, but there was. There was a couple, but there's yeah. 100 times the amount of events. And you had to do a lot to find those events too, like yeah, there, in, yeah. in those yeah. days. This, this is going back 15 years. And yeah. um, Even doing, now, sorry, even doing the triple a, top yeah. was difficult. Sorry to interrupt. It was. It was like to be able to enter. To find you it. had to post stuff <laughs> to them and they would twenty dollars in an envelope. Exactly, that's right. So <laughs> it has changed. Anyway, you were saying. Um, but now you walk into a sports shop and there's Nike Trail branded clothing, and it's on the, mm-hmm. you know, it's on display. Yeah. Um, yeah. The trail shoes are on display, and exactly, it is, it is cool. You're right. It's yeah. cool. I love it. And All to right. me, to me, that's great. Some people, purists, might sort of think, "Oh, it's sold out and it's commercialized," mm. but. The flip side of that is it's inspiring more people to get into it the outdoors yeah. Yeah, and be active. Yeah. yeah. And that having that double whammy, as you said, again, there is some science, neuroscience around number one, running, but number two, that being outdoors and being um, in a forested sort of environment rather than on the concrete and the footpaths. There's actually a bunch of science around how important that is for us too. So. Absolutely. Exciting to do two things at one time and get fit and get healthy and feel mentally able to cope with all the stresses of the world. Before we wrap up, I ask everybody at the end of the podcast for some tips for beginner runners. So if someone comes up and says, Phil, I want to start this crazy running thing, what would you suggest to them? Uh, just one step at a time. Don't bite off more than you can chew and and step out the door. Beautiful. I yeah, love don't, it. Don't, don't, Keep uh, it simple. Yeah, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Um, don't go too hard too fast. Mm. Um, you know, you could Google how much you should yeah. you know, increase your training by week on week. All that information's out there, but um, don't put any pressure on yourself. And that consistency is key. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Consistency so is key to everything. Mm. Anyway, Phil, it's been amazing. Don't jump off straight away because I will say goodbye to you off the recording as well. But it has been awesome to get to know more about you because I've kind of known you for a long time. But I haven't known you. So now I know you, of course. So it's awesome. I hope, uh, uh, and thanks. I'm sure everyone's going to yeah. loved listening to your story. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me and thanks for the invite. And um, hope people don't fall asleep listening to my story. I'm sure they won't. I'm sure they love it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. Send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website, along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go... I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.